Do you want an amazing marriage? Are you ready to take your marriage to the next level? Then stick around for your Marriage Matters podcast with Marriage Coach Lynn. Let's put some fun and sizzle into your relationship. Hello, this is part two of a four-part Middle Years of Marriage series here on the Your Marriage Matters podcast. I'd like to give you a list of do's and don'ts for dealing with middle-age malaise. Five do's and five don'ts. Let's start with the don'ts. Number one, don't pour all of your complaints at the foot of your spouse the minute he or she walks in the door. In middle-age years, we are busier than ever. The career is in full swing. We have a busy household with children, lots of tasks, and there's a danger of abruptly getting to the point, making honeydew lists, rushing around like crazy in this frenetic, high-paced world. When you greet each other at the end of the day, give time to unwind and transition. Share with your spouse a little at a time. Don't overwhelm. It will set a tense and negative mood for the evening. Number two, don't neglect. Do not neglect each other. Do not neglect telling your thoughts. Do not withhold expressing yourself. Of course, self-edit and do not spew out all your complaints at once or share rage and anger to the point of exhausting your spouse or overwhelming your spouse. We don't want cumulative junk that festers. We don't want assumptions. Instead, admire, affirm, show gratitude, share your feelings and disappointments. Do not neglect time together for the important matters. Number three, don't deceive or lie. It's hard to regain trust. Lies are more apt to take your marriage down than build it up. I'm observing several cases of lies. The behaviors can be forgiven, but the lies mean there isn't a solid foundation to work with. Lies are for self-protection, embarrassment, laziness, convenience, or to hide immoral or wrongdoing, misbehavior. A chain of lies gets started and the liar has to live in a suspended reality that's been created. How many of us have known liars who don't even realize they're lying? When you lie, you tell more lies. Then you have to remember to keep your story straight. Help your spouse to tell the truth. Lying happens when there are addictions and lying is often a habit and established pattern for some people. Number four, don't put excessive energy into the past. High school reunions, getting together with people from the past, rewriting your past history because it appeared easier and more carefree compared to the hardships of your life today are a few examples of why we should not put so much emphasis on the past. It's okay to stay in touch, but keep it in check, keep it light. Instead, look to work on the virtues of making your marriage strong and not reaching others to fill a void. That's a strong sentence, reaching out to others from your past to fill a void. But think about that. It might be something that you or someone you know struggles with. Number five, don't put excessive energy into the future. There's wisdom and simplicity in the present. People who live in the present are usually more calm and content 
which seems counterintuitive to those who have to have a detailed plan for their lives for the next five or ten years. When we are future focused, we neglect to allow a natural flow of life. We are afraid to let nature take its course and prefer to control certain aspects of our lives. We don't leave space and time to embrace life to its fullest. I support having a long-term vision and goals, but we run into problems when we obsess about our future. Planning is good, but leave room for God and new possibilities to enter into your life. Too much emphasis on the future might mean you're missing some hidden gems in your life and partner right now. And gratitude is found in the present, and we know that gratitude is a big secret for happiness. Serving others is also to be found in the present. Well, how about a list of do's? Let's give you five here. One, make your home a sanctuary, a place of peace. Make it comfortable and pleasant. Not necessarily clean and neat or an interior decorator's paradise, but generally create a home that is lively, happy, and relaxing and lively and relaxing at the same time you ask yes remember we must protect against boredom and we must have our home as a refuge from the world a place where husband and wife want to come to love hang out and relax the home is our nucleus and we have to have some areas that are clutter free and free of chaos how many people's homes are pit stops where the home is a place to recharge energy for places outside the home. The home is not a refuge for some people, but a place to maintain and serve your more important matters that are occurring outside the home. So ask yourself these questions. What are you running away from? Are you running away from your relationship and family, from yourself? Do you make your home a comfortable place? Build strength in the home, and you can build strength outside the home. Number two on our do list. Speak kindly to each other and about each other when you are apart. We communicate verbally and non-verbally. It's important to be gentle and to edit ourselves, especially when we experience anger or rage. Take a few deep breaths. Compose yourself before responding. Communicate from a place of being centered, not reactionary. Think kindness all the time. Number three, be a student of what pleasure can be bestowed upon each other during the day. Turn your thoughts to your spouse and learning what would make him or her happy. The little things, maybe a note, a small gift, a little task, a phone call, speaking kindly about your spouse in conversation outside the home. If you've been married 15, 20, 25 years, you can always be a student. Number four, cultivate a proper temper. Your temper is your chosen behavior. This is kind of related to number three that I just mentioned, but it takes things a little deeper. We're not just trying to act nice outwardly. We're trying to work on ourselves to have a continuous flow of patience a lack of irritability, lack of anger. We want to resist the temptation to be overly controlling. Yes, we can assume that we have a propensity for a certain temperament, but we can do a lot to work on behaving virtuous 
and avoiding such things as pride, lust, anger, envy, gluttony, or laziness. Number five, the most important thing I want to say, feed the heart. Here is a quote from a used book I picked up recently. The quote comes from Sylvanus Stahl, the book called What a Husband Ought to Know, and it's from 1897. Quote, how many anecdotes and stories do you tell your wife to provoke a smile or a laugh? How many roses do you bring home to her? Are you careful of your own appearance in the long evenings when there is no other woman but her to be captivated by your manly charm? Your answer may be, my wife knows I love her and that's enough. She may know it, but if there were many everyday assurances, there would be fewer heart-starved wives. And repeat two times, end quote. I hope you enjoyed my list of do's and don'ts. Don't be a complainer. Don't neglect each other. Don't deceive or lie. Don't put excessive energy into your past or future and instead live in the present. That's all we've got. Do make your home a sanctuary, speak kindly to each other, bring pleasure to your partner, and cultivate a proper temper, and feed the heart. Never, never, never quit on your marriage. Fight for your marriage. I bet you would not have thought about quitting the day you got married. There are so many things you can do to make your marriage great.